Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play.
Almost every Wednesday, over the past six and a half years or thereabouts, we've brought you thousands of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 300 are, as it was in Sound of Play 1, Jay Taylor. Hello. And Ryan Heyman. Hey, how you doing? All right. Welcome back, gents. It's been a while since we did one of these as a three. Yeah, I think it's around the the what hundreds that we usually <laughs> that we usually meet up again. And here we are again. Yeah, so people who listened to the last show will have heard already that this here Sound of Play three hundred after six and a half years is going to be the final one for the time being, at least. Certainly, the last Sound of Play in its current guise and format. We've done a lot of them over a very long period of time and so it is time to put her to bed for a little hiatus but fear not there's one more show as well as the 299 that are already out there and as usual uh, we've got some excellent tracks from games recent and not so recent we've each brought a selection of pieces that we wanted to share before we tuck her up in bed for a while so we open the show with a piece that's uh, possibly called something like Sugan Asena from Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And that was picked by Jay. Tell us about this one. I've been wanting to listen to this track on this show for quite a while, but because mm. never found the op well, the, just never came up. But um, I I love this track. I love it. I think it's it, it's kind of awesome. In fact, it was it was the thing that gave me the impetus to actually pick up the game. It, the, the game was always on the back burner for me with this. Like it was always one of those titles where I was going to pick it up. Um, but listening to this track, and coupled with, I guess, the first season of The Mandalorian, it kind of put a little bit more of a of an imperative on it. And um, yeah, like it's kind of awesome. The idea I would love to have been in to be a fly on the wall in the meeting where somebody puts forward a Mongolian metal band to open a Star Wars game with just because, you know, it, it feels like such a kind of really bizarre tangential kind of uh, decision that was made. And I, I love the music. I've, I've always had a sort of a real soft spot for like throat Mongolian music and throat. I was going to say, I think this brings us almost full circle because unless I'm mistaken, didn't yeah. you bring that piece from operation Thunderbolt? Was it in what's it called? Operation the the Codemasters game with Mongolian throat singing on the title screen. Operation the, I think Flashpoint. Flashpoint, not Thunderpoint. Yeah. yeah. And that was, I think Dragon that was Rising. Sound of Play. Yeah. Dragon the, Rising. The, the yeah. theme tune to that was... Uh, like was, Sound of Play 1, I think. You, yeah, Or was, maybe 2 or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah. We found that bookend. Uh, yeah. Bookend it with throat singing. Yeah. Awesome. So I assume <laughs> The Who is a, a kind of a, a, a funny pun on obviously the, the band we know, the British band. No, I don't think it is a, a pun. I think it is. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it is just happens to be, um, I don't think it's a pun in this, in the way that we might have thought, like it's not a kind of like mm. a in joke or anything. I think there's, there's more meaning behind it for them. I don't know what it is, but okay. um, yeah, but it is confusing I'd be interested to, to be know. honest. When you say, oh it's man, I found this awesome new band yeah. called the who yeah <laughs> and then yeah, everybody's yeah. like huh? <laughs> yeah they've been yeah. around for a while uh yeah homonym for the who uh, formed in ulan batur in mongolia mm. in 2016 so a pretty new band and this game obviously came out in 2019 so uh, that was yeah whoever was 
working on on the yeah, yeah whether it was the sound team the audio director or somebody within the respawn studio who hit upon this and thought well that makes i assume also with everything they do like this and everything they do on this game it has to go through the the disney holocron as it were and be accepted by the star wars head honchos i would assume so yeah yeah, because I mean, the the whole song isn't sung in Mongolian. It's like they, it's a, 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 an official kind of Star Wars language or something. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's like you know whatever it is. I don't, you know, it could be any one of a number of things. But it's, but it's yeah, it's kind. Of, but I've got to say, it is wasted in the game. It is like I was so looking forward to sort of seeing like how they brought this in and. Right. It's a bit of a damp squib, and I feel like it was really kind of, uh, I hmm. don't know, shortchanged in the game, because it, it, it crops up intermittently as well during the gameplay. Um, there's a couple of right. sort of cut scenes where he's listening to, he's like, Cal Kestis being the, the main character, he's listening to like a Walkman at the start of the game, and this is what he's listening to. But uh, it, yeah, it, right. it, it, I just, I was like, I was quite disappointed by it when it, when it kicked off, because it. Like for me, this this track's amazing. But about four and a half minutes in, I mean, it's the longest track. It's like six minutes thirty, I yeah. think thirty six or something. But it's like, mm-hmm. but yeah, about four and a half minutes in, or about four twenty or something like that. That's when the the metal head side of this kicks in, and and that was the bit. First time I heard it, I was like, it, it it's they've got this amazing, they've got these amazing like uh, amazing percussion. And if you ever watch the video to this, it's, they're all in the studio as they're doing it, and it's kind of awesome. Um, huh. but so got these- you would have been after like a, a doom style sequence where or almost like a guardians of the galaxy type thing where he puts the headphones on and so the and the sound like ramps up it could have been start- it could yeah. have been something along those lines instead it's not and it's just kind of yeah like the music's playing as the kind of the camera goes through the shipyards and stuff and then it mm. kind of as it homes in on this on the main character he takes the headphones off but that's before the best bit of the track kicks in. And it's just like, uh, uh, you kind of wasted it. But I don't that's know. That's a shame. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to hear that uh, there are proper next-gen updates to this game coming out later this year for Xbox Series consoles and uh, PS5. So uh, I'm sitting off again and playing mm-hmm. this game properly until until those happen. They've already had a, a little update, so they run so the games run a bit more... Uh, current genish on on the new consoles but they're yeah. they're obviously going to be doing a full-blown uh next gen update which uh, should make a, a pretty fine looking game look even finer yeah ryan i can't remember you much of a star wars kid i know you're quite a lot younger than jay and i yeah uh i mean i i think everyone after that kind of 1970s generation grew up with star wars um true and so yeah i mean i I guess the prequels came out when I was a little kid, but I still had the originals <laughs> to, to to prop that yeah. up. And then, of course, I've been celebrating Life Day on uh, November 17th for, yes, yes. what, 14, 15 years now? With uh, Itchy and Lumpy. Yep. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm really into this particular track as well. Like, I'm a big metalhead as well. And, uh, like, I, I love anything that feels more kind of non-traditional metalish in this way. And this one definitely carries forward that kind of that attitude, that intensity. Um, I, I think it, there's a little bit of a risk of uh, kind of deliberately picking 
music from other cultures, traditions that aren't quite as like mm. in the Western spotlight and framing that as right. like, this is the music that aliens listen to. Uh, yeah, but I think you're that, not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it kind of walks the line. There's a the, the, there's an interesting sort of video interview with them mm-hmm. talking about specifically about this track. And they're all Star Wars fans. So they mm-hmm. said they absolutely jumped at the opportunity to, to perform Oh, I can this. imagine. And it's quite, and, it, and you kind of think, See, I've never thought of Star Wars being a big thing in Mongolia, but clearly it is. So it's like, it's and I thought that was kind of amazing, really, because you just don't think about it, really. I, I haven't. I, I got to say, it doesn't occur to me that somewhere like Mongolia might be there might be Star Wars fans there for some bizarre reason. Yeah, been shown all around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Ryan, you've also brought a selection of tracks for us for this uh, final sound of play in its current incarnation. And the first one of which is from a composer that we've talked about a number of times recently, both on Sound of Play and Kane and Rince, because uh, Ryo Nagamatsu seems to be the go-to guy at Nintendo for, particularly for bringing older soundtracks up to date. Hmm. Yeah, what I wanted to do with my selections today is kind of go through like a greatest hits selection of sound of play like particularly highlighting tracks that like i would have missed or overlooked uh if i hadn't either you know encountered them via researching Mm. the show or had somebody else request or play them on the show and so yeah um, i think i've picked out three tracks that are just kind of absolute standouts for me and kind of make a nice like closing argument, like my my takeaway thesis for Sound mm-hmm. of Play are kind of like, you know, track down these specific soundtracks in general. And uh, if nothing else, then, uh, you know, take joy in in these. And so this this first track is the theme song to The Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, uh, which I uh, I did not enjoy the game. Um I would say at all. <laughs> it's uh, it's right. not one that I particularly... I never played it online. I tried to do it entirely solo, which I understand is uh, not the proper way to play it. But at the same time, I think I tried to connect to the internet once or twice, and it was a bit of a mess, as, um, yeah. as you could expect from a 3DS first-party Nintendo game. Uh, but it was... Uh, the music is kind of unimpeachable. Like this soundtrack and particularly this theme song was, uh, this theme song was requested by Andrew Brown in our first of the kind of 10 episode specials in which we focus on the, uh, kind of musical legacy of an entire series of games in which the first one we did was the legend of Zelda, which is quite a, uh, quite a tall order to try to kind of cover all in one two hour show. But, um, yeah, I, I think we we did a pretty good job of covering um, the the majority of the series there. So this this game is not one that I had played at the time. I have since played it, but uh, encountering that theme song as a part of that show, I remember just being completely blown away by the energy, the really fun instrumentation. Like it sounds, it sounds great for something that. Because handheld systems, the music doesn't need to sound as kind of like meaty and fully featured as this one does. You know, you got those little speakers that are never great, but uh, this one, it feels like it takes kind of full advantage of a sonic soundscape. I guess they have to um, they have to count for people that want to plug in headphones 
as well. But it's a, yeah. a, a great piece of music and one that just sounds so fresh and different than the rest of the Zelda fair, while still kind of retaining the feeling of medieval music and of kind of swashbuckling sword fighting music. Um, it's kind of I, it it might be my favorite Zelda song in the series. Like I just I really really wow. love it. So just wanted to put that one back out there again. It's been since uh, Sound of Play fifty or something like that since we've played right. it. So it's, it's a been while. a was the Triforce Heroes title theme by Ryo Nagamatsu from The Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, i.e. the one that we didn't give its own podcast to in the Kane and Rince series of Zelda podcasts, but do check those out anyway. That's from 2015. Now, my little selection, I've taken one from around the time we started Sound of Play, one from the start of my video game music enjoying life and one from uh, very recently that was as far as my thought process went anyway so first up we have 
the 70s sitcom sounds of Sunshine Airport from Mario Kart 8, obviously also repurposed in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe by Atsuko Asahi. And yeah, this one is just a tune that uh, maybe, I don't know if it will go down as one of the most sort of celebrated tracks from the uh, the much much loved, I would say, Mario Kart 8 soundtrack with the Nintendo band. There's probably more flashy tracks and tracks with more kind of, kind of bigger hooks. But this is the one that in some ways uh, takes me back to the time of first playing Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U and also then getting my Switch with Mario Kart 8 DX in 2017 so uh and yeah it's uh it reminds me of sound wise it it's got it's got layers and layers of sort of 70s sitcom cheese about it it makes perfect sense for the sunshine airport because it does take me back to a time when uh sitcoms were often would often have a spin-off film i don't know if this i don't think this was true in america so much but what would happen with british sitcoms jay will attest to this is that after some success on BBC or ITV, they would get their own standalone feature film or sometimes even two feature films. So like the the famous sitcom Are You Being Served ended up having a a film where they all went to uh, went on holiday to Spain and the holiday wasn't uh, the hotel wasn't finished being built with hilarious consequences. And I think there was what other ones were there. There was a Steptoe and Son, no, two Steptoe and Son movies. I think pretty much every, every single seventies <laughs> TV show that had this because it was everything yeah. from uh, George and they, Mildred and was there a George and Mildred movie? Yeah, I believe there was. Yeah, God, wow, uh, yeah, Steptoe and Son um, on the buses, yeah, all that sort of thing. But for some reason, this uh, the 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 vibes in this it's it's kind of a Muzak thing going on, I suppose, and certain instrumentation. It's very. It's designed to be very uh, friendly and unthreatening, but actually, because of my brain associating it with slightly creepy and bleak seventy sitcoms, it sounds. It it gives it a little edge, which I enjoy. <laughs> Let's hear it. It's uh, from the Sunshine Airport in Mario Kart Eight.
all the way back from 2014. Mario Kart 8 Sunshine Airport. Takes me back, makes me think of uh, some of the guests that we've had on the show, not because we've had any of the Japanese uh, composers, sadly, but it particularly makes me think, Ryan, of some of the uh, the the combos and jazz musicians and uh, people like that we've featured yeah, over the totally. years on Sound of Play. Yeah, we featured Insane of the Rain Music. We featured the um, oh, just a large kind of Super array. Soul Bros. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't want to forget any of the the great musicians that we brought on the show, but a lot of uh, this, this remixers, is the problem. Yes. original composers. <laughs> Grant Kirkhope, that was a real treat. Uh, we talked to Steve Burke fairly early on. Like a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of great folks from throughout the video game industry and from the fan community. Yeah, any any particular uh, memories or favorites? Any any uh, ambitions that you got to fulfill by by having people on the show? <laughs> uh, I mean, the aforementioned Super Soul Bros show was really fun. I think we had more people on that show than we've ever featured on the podcast before. Yeah, it was kind of an entire room full of them at that point, um, and then getting to feature some of their kind of original music and. Um, that was that was really fun. Obviously, I'm kind of a I'm a big jazz person as well, and so I've featured that kind of throughout the run of the show. But that was a real treat. Um, Grant Kirkhope is kind of the the sound of my childhood in a way, <laughs> and so yeah, it was very exciting when uh, Darren Gargett and I got to to chat with him and and learned about his history and process as well. So um, yeah, I mean, no regrets all around. A lot of a a great great slew of composers. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, like you, I don't want to. I'm sure none of them are listening, so it probably doesn't matter. But I don't want to—I don't want to offend anyone by forgetting. But but yes, you know, obviously, I remember going all the way back to the. Uh, I think we didn't have any guests on for the first uh, twenty or so shows, but then uh, got hold of David Housden, uh, and uh, he'd done the music for Volume, and he came on and, and played some of those tracks, and that sort of set the tone of uh, of a composer normally bringing some of their own tracks and hopefully some favorites by other composers as well. Uh, yeah. Then we moved on to uh, Dan Rodriguez. Yes. Steve Burke was an early one. Um, Kenny Young have to mention. Oh, yeah. he, was, uh, he was perhaps some of our, one of our most sort of uh, generous and engaging guests. I felt like he really, you know, maybe that's just his disposition, but uh, he really got into it. Uh, and yeah, uh, some of the, some of the people I've met over the time, it's been, you know, there's, they haven't become like I'm, I'm not like best buds with any of them, but they've become like Facebook friends and online acquaintances. People like George Sanger. Uh, I met Nanita Desai. Uh, she uh, invited me along to the uh, launch, you know, for their film for summer that she scored. Um, that was uh, that was cool to actually meet somebody as well. Uh, yeah. And as I say, uh, as you said, lots of uh, lots of folks from the community as well. We extended that handout and obviously there's a you know there's a potential risk with that having people on who have in many cases never podcasted before but oftentimes it was uh, it was a good way of getting good way of getting to know folks from the listenership and yes we have obviously heard uh, since sound of play 299 we've had a number of people contact us on social media sort of saying uh, that they were one of the the quiet majority of fans who have enjoyed the show every week for years and years and we knew we 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 thought it was likely that would happen and uh, and as I said, yeah, we knew that the people who uh, perhaps some of the most dedicated and regular listeners would be the ones who would uh, who would perhaps uh, feel it the most when we when we put this thing on ice for a bit. But uh, but thanks for thanks for listening and thanks for uh, thanks for letting us know that you care as well. 
Now we have a piece again selected by Jay. And what else could it be from? For those of you who listen to our Patreon monthly show, you'll know that Jay has been playing a game almost at the exclusion of anything else for quite some time now. I noticed, by the way, I was looking the other night and uh, you're still missing one trophy. What's that all about? As the second raid. Oh, I talked about this on the monthly show. It's, yeah, it, I know. It's a pain in everyone. the ass to get as well. So. <laughs> but, you know, what can I do? I might just have to I have to suck that one up because it's, um, it's a hell of a raid as well. And it requires people to be on comms. So I think that's why it's never going to happen. Oh. But, um, hey, I still play it. So maybe one day I'll get lucky. 1,100 hours or thereabouts. It's got to be thereabouts, yeah. Tom Clancy's The Division 2. And the music uh, that you select, I, I enjoy the music from this game. So I, I only ever pick this up really on your recommendation. And I've only played it for like four, 50 hours maybe now, something like that. Mm-hmm. A relative paltry amount, but actually not an insubstantial amount. Uh, and the music uh, that, you know, pipes up during the regular combat, I've always thought was, was pretty cool. But this piece you've selected is from the 2020 expansion, Warlords of New York. So yeah. where is where does this fit in... The Division 2 experience. So this, this, I could be wrong about this as well, because I was thinking about, I was playing the mission earlier, and the thing is you start, you're trying to listen to the music to make sure that that's where it happens, but then you realise that you're not really listening, you're too busy shooting everything and then diving for cover and all the rest of it. Um, But this takes place in a a boss fight area, um, which happens in in Wall Street, and it's, it's, it's an amazingly evocative fight. Uh, because the whole area is kind of shrouded in darkness and only lit by like red flares, and it's it's really impressive visually. But um, but yeah, I kind of I couldn't do this show without bringing division because quite honestly, my approach to what tracks to pick was okay. Um, what have I played over the last twelve months? And there was only one and game. There's yeah. like literally the three games that I've played over the last twelve months. <laughs> right, so yeah. it's just yeah. that's it. Because it's like like this game's just, uh yeah. I was I was playing it like about an hour ago. I was still on it, and um, I just I yeah. I'm gonna have to write a book about why I feel like I can't. It's like I've got some kind of addiction. But um, mm, yeah. I mean, you know, it is a game with with uh, loot loot mechanics. In well, it. Yeah, I mean, but it's that's not that that is absolutely not why i care about it the why i play it but it you know but anyway that's kind of beside i'll probably talk about this tomorrow when we record yeah. the monthly but it's uh tune into our monthly patreon show just two dollars a month may as well get that in there yeah why not <laughs> um but the music so, yeah, yeah, yeah what's what, what's going on here musically so a lot of the soundtrack to this game is kind of more it's more atmosphere and kind of just it, it, it's more kind of just atmospherics rather than a, a anything that you could pinpoint as a kind of a track that you could like a melody. Yeah, you could, yeah. So I was listening to the soundtrack earlier, and then I came across the expansion soundtrack, and I thought, okay, I've not actually listened to this properly. So I was just going through that, and then came across this particular track, and I feel it's the most kind of evocative of like and there's a bit more of a beat behind this stuff it's kind of you know the electronica aspect to it which i really like and and the kind of the ominous sound to it as well it's just yeah yeah this is dragoff's promise by ola strand and simon kudra uh, 
Crime I'm glad you had a go at that because I was going to absolutely butcher that name on <laughs> Ola Strand and Simon Kudryavtsev. From Tom Clancy's Division 2, The Division 2, Warlords of New York expansion from the game that Jay has poured his heart and soul I've into. I've got to get a tattoo. You, yeah. <laughs> I've got to you, get a Division tattoo. I hit 1,200 hours, I'm going to get it tattooed on my arm. Have you even got a pandemic mask that is like one from the game? I've got one in the game that I wear oh, at the moment right. just because... I meant in real life, like 
Nah, they should have done that, shouldn't they? But you kind they of really feel should. that if, if in the in the sort of pantheon of bad marketing stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's a little too yeah, on maybe. the nose, I feel a Division Two em- embossed sort of uh, embroidered mask might have been a little <laughs> too much to put. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure somebody put forward like, hey, you know what would be really good, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would have bought true. one. <laughs> I, I know you would. Yeah. <laughs> You got the keener mask, or you got the uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's how many? I mean, there are almost infinite number of masks in the game, right? Well, how many visual different styles are there of any uh, any item? It's just countless. Isn't a it? few dozen at least, but then there's right. there's usually of each piece of equipment. There's three versions of it as well. Yeah. Wow. Uh, anyway, hope you enjoyed that piece from the Warlords of New York, which I have now at least seen a bit of. From the Warlords of New York to um, Spiky Hedgehog. There's no other way of crowbarring this together. Yeah. Sonic Unleashed, Ryan? (laughs) Yeah, it's not one of the, I'd say it's not one of the more popular games in the Sonic series, but I think it's one that Sonic fans Mm. have kind of come around to as like big proponents and defenders of in recent years. Um, I think most people will remember it as the one that kind of intersperses the generally pretty good uh speed sections with yeah genu- genuinely pretty bad uh god of war type brawler sections <laughs> in which you play as yeah. the werehog but yes. um as i was putting together the sound of play sonic the hedgehog specials we actually did a two-part series just because yep. of how so much long sonic. the series has yeah. been and how kind of fundamental music is to the entire series across this entire lifespan um, did part one with James Farley from the computer game show and did uh, part yep. two with Darren Gargett, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think has sound of play 110 and 120. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Consecutively yes. like that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, encountered the Sonic Unleashed soundtrack. I, I kind of like while I was at work for like a month, I listened through basically the entire soundtrack to like every Sonic game that I could get my hands on just so I can come into it with a pretty informed opinion, pick out the best track and everything. And I, uh, when I got to Sonic Unleashed, which I was expecting very little from at the time, just knowing it by its reputation as being the edgy werehog game, <laughs> um, I was surprised that the soundtrack was like track to track every single track like an absolute banger and i was uh it's something that i've said on sound of play ever since then repeatedly show after show is if you if you take nothing else away from sound of play please you know do yourself a favor and listen to the sonic unleashed soundtrack like it's so (laughs) good there's so much variety and i think part of the appeal of sonic unleashed in particular is that it's kind of a globe hopping game. Uh, Sonic goes yeah. to various locales within, I don't know if it's the actual Earth. I seriously doubt it is. I think it's all kind of like an alternate Earth, but they're, each of the levels yeah. are based on like a real world culture. And the music reflects that as well. You'll get songs that have a little bit more of like a like a Chinese influence or a mm. Italian influence. It starts in Greece, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Is it Greece? Yeah. It, it definitely has that kind of, uh, that look to it, that they had a Grecian, yeah. Italian beach town feel to it. Um, yeah. Stage is set in Africa. And it's, and so all of the tracks are so different, but they're 
just really, really, really well composed. And um, this is my personal favorite of them. It's a kind of like bright and airy uh, kind of whistly tune, but there's there's pieces that are a lot more kind of electronic and intense and um, and thumping. And there's some tracks that are uh, that kind of really kind of emphasize the speed of Sonic as well. But this one's just very relaxed and chill. But um, what a what a melody, what a lead line. Um, and then every track as well has a daytime and nighttime version, which uh, the nighttime version usually has some kind of chiller instruments. This one is has kind of the feeling of like a Spanish guitar, um, but it's really nice. And um, this again, just check out the Sonic Unleashed soundtrack if you haven't already. It's it's really really beautiful and just kind of completely came out of nowhere for me. <laughs> Uh, this particular track is called Apotos Day, which is uh, one of the levels, and of course the daytime variation by Fumie Kumatani.
Sonic Unleashed there from the old Sonic team that came out back in 2008. Composer Fumie Kumitani, just one of five composers that worked on that game, I think. And uh, yeah, I think that game, I know it came to Xbox backwards compatibility a couple of years ago. Was it a game with gold as well? Because I have it in my library or is that because... Darren Gargett bought it and now it's in our shared library. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not been a Games with Gold ever since I've been a gold right. member, um, like the Austin okay, Powers no, movie. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> God. Goodness me. Um, well, talking of your gold member, we may as well do an on-air congratulations <laughs> to your forthcoming nuptials. Oh, thank you. Uh, we can We can do It's all public, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Ryan's getting married, folks, later this year. That's right, getting married uh, Halloween. a week before Halloween. And so yeah, everyone who's listened to Sound of Play for long enough knows how big of a fan of Halloween I am. So I'll, yeah. I'll probably inject a little bit of, uh, of spooky silliness into the, um, into the wedding proceedings myself. <laughs> Luckily, my fiance has been very, um, very gracious with <laughs> all of my... Uh, with all my sillier ideas uh, when it goes into putting right. together a wedding uh, celebration. But uh, I, I think it'll make for a very memorable and fun uh, celebration. As we've now effectively finally killed off Huel Wuthering with this <laughs> Sound of Play announcement, is he going to turn up as the Master of Ceremonies at your your uh, your evening, your wedding evening? Ah, uh, gosh, Party. you know, I'll. I don't know if it's a if it's a proper fit for a day in which I'll be otherwise on mic for quite a bit of it and people have that direct comparison. Uh, but uh, I'll have to find a way to incorporate because <laughs> playwrights closing down as well in June. And so I don't yeah. even get another Halloween with, uh, with another podcast that I effectively own. Yeah. So um, I'll have to find yeah. some way to, to bring who withering back. If I, if I had known that last year was our last chance at a Halloween special that i probably would have um probably would have done something we skipped last year's halloween just because i didn't have the time or emotional energy to dedicate to it work was really intense at the time celebration of death yeah (laughs) (laughs) um well who knows i mean obviously you still have the power to Mm -hmm. create your own output uh not that we're you know sacking ryan off from the cane and rinse empire as it were Mm -hmm. in any way Ryan will still continue to appear on uh, the Kane and Rince podcast, uh, even hosting some of those shows. I guess what some of our regular listeners may be wondering, though, is are you going to continue with your mega mixes? Yeah. Um, when I, I guess when I start a ridiculously large and frankly unfeasible project, um, <laughs> it, it, I, I have a history of following through with it. So I'll probably yeah. still release them as a part of a kind of monthly rotation is how I've been kind of hitting mm-hmm. them on Sound of Play, uh, with the next one being 1997. Um, Ooh, and uh, those will just be through my own social channels now. So um, I guess okay. the plus side is that uh, we won't have two competing time codes. So people that listen through Sound of Play... Uh, in the past, obviously had my oh, yeah, spoken right. intros at the beginning and then we, when they went onto the Playwright website to 
learn what songs were what, uh, the time codes wouldn't match up. So since since the spoken intros on Sound of Play are going away, the, then all the time codes are going to be correct yeah. from now on. That's uh, the main reason we've decided to uh, put the shutters <laughs> down on Sound of Play. <laughs> so stamp time codes. Right. Now, here's one which I have never brought to this show before. It's uh, a game from 1983. And to many of you, it will certainly sound like that. It'll be mono. It'll be a little bit tinny. But it's a very important piece of music to me. It's from the Atari 8-bit, a game called The Tale of Beta Lyrae. The tale spelt as in the tale uh, of a comet, because that's what Beta Lyrae is. It's a, it's a very old scramble-esque uh, horizontally scrolling shoot 'em up from uh, well, well back in the day. I didn't play it first in 1983 because I didn't get my Atari 800 until 1985. But I think this was one of the games that I picked up. Original cassette, but secondhand from our, one of our local old dusty computer game shops of the day. Uh, I can still sort of feel the plastic in my hand. Uh, and this music is, I don't know, there's just something to me incredibly charming about it and i and i thought that from the off and in researching it for this here podcast uh, i found out who composed it or i think this was actually on the title screen because they did used to do that sometimes but it's by a gary gilbertson and what i didn't know that it actually has a title so i was ready to put title screen music or main theme from the tale of beta lyrae but it turns out it's actually known as passionately which i think is delightful uh, it's described in this interview on dadgum.com as uh, probably the most popular piece of music written for Atari 8-bit computers. Now, I don't know how you could possibly measure that. And certainly it's not one of the pieces that I've always considered as being one of the most celebrated. But I think it does have a certain mood and tone and playfulness and atmosphere that makes it sets it apart even from the perhaps more famous likes of uh, Warhawk and International Karate and stuff like that. Uh, it's been in my head since I sort of, it's one of those pieces that I hadn't really thought about for decades. And then it came back into my head a year or a year and a half ago, and it's never really left ever since. And I've no idea if it'll work the same on any of you, but I hope it does because <laughs> it's, it makes me smile. This is passionately from Philip Price's The Tale of Beta Lyra. Thank you. 
The game was by Data Most on the Atari 8-bit systems, exclusively, format exclusive, for the Atari. Uh, and yes, the slightly odd, but yeah, delightful Tale of Beta Lyrae music. Jay, your last ever piece for Sound of Play in its current guise is from the other game that you've played <laughs> in the last 12 months or so, from a game we're covering fairly soon on the Kane and Rince podcast big title for Sony last year it was Ghosts of the Ghost just the singular Ghost of Tsushima and uh, well there's quite a lot of music in this game uh, as I recall a lot of it for me was it was subtle uh, ambient atmospheric cinematic stuff so have you managed to or have you found a piece that is more overt in its so again I didn't I didn't check where this was on the game because I, mm -hmm. I kind of felt that I remembered it. This is the music that plays in the background when you're doing the haikus. And oh, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that. So yeah. I, I'm assuming this is why it's called Forgotten Song, but mm. it's a beautiful piece of music. I mean, the score is it, it, it's a very much a classical kind of big cinematic score, but it, the, the, there's some really great stuff in there. I enjoyed the 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 haiku haiku creation in uh, Ghost of Tsushima. I felt like every time the options were offered. So, so for those who haven't played it, mm. you get uh, is it it's three lots of three options. Is it three lots? Yeah, I three think lots, so. Yeah, three lots of three options for uh, with which you can piece together a a reflection on a moment. And I felt like uh, each. Each one that I made, obviously, uh, there's a, a relatively limited number of choices, but still quite a few. Actually, I was, I was, I, I found myself, even though it, 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 there's no particular reward for choosing anything over anything else, but I found that I did want to reflect what I felt like my protagonist was feeling mm. at the time. Yeah, I like that whole little moment, you know, the whole kind of, you know, you sit there in contemplation or whatever and look at a, a scene and then you, you go mm. I guess it's kind of like a first person view isn't it at that point not yeah. technically but you know and yeah. you then just sort of you've got this kind of little markers that you just scroll through and it kind of yeah you just make these choices as you go and it's kind of I, I like the way it was put together I think they mm. kind of captured this kind of zen sort of sort of moment in the game but yeah and it really shows off the graphics engine those those sort of almost uh, not still shots as such but mm. still camera really showing off the the magnificent environments that sucker punch managed to get out of uh, the ps4 architecture yeah. and hardware. i mean there's going back to the track the, there's some like the i was kind of struggling to to pick the, there's one main theme to this which i thought was really it's you know this huge sort of dramatic score and and stuff. It's like particularly the I think it's the piece that plays as you're attacking the beach at the beginning. So it's like I kind of like that, but it was like mm. yeah. It was, I was and then as I was listening through the 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 soundtrack, I came across this one and and immediately I was kind of thinking I don't recognize this, and then realized that it's the music from the haiku. So I was like ah that'll work. Oh, yeah, but yeah, when that voice comes in. I don't know if you've listened to the Ghost of Tsushima soundtrack from end to end, but it's a kind of an odd one. Like there's a mixture of both the more kind of traditional Japanese type of music with the traditional instruments, yeah. as well as a lot of 
kind of sweeping, it feels very Western Hollywood orchestral pieces of music as well. And some of them even sound like, um, like pieces you would hear out of like Western films, like Westerns, yeah. which I think suits it well with the kind of stand downs. Yeah, but I think within, mm-hmm. within the confines of the game, I, I didn't feel that it kind of, it wasn't, Nothing ever stood out to me when I was playing as yeah. Jared. So I kind of, but I think it's when you listen in isolation, it can feel different to one. You know, it's, it's a, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of variety on that soundtrack. I was, uh, I was kind of expecting going into it that it would feel very traditional Japanese, and there certainly are bits of that. But uh, I think back to soundtracks like Okami, where they really heavily lean into the traditional instrumentation there's there's a lot to it there's a lot that i wasn't expecting to hear in there as well but it all suits the game very well That was Forgotten Song by Ilan Eshkeri and Shigeru Umabayashi from Ghosts of Tsushima. You may have heard of it. We're going to do a podcast about it on the Kane and Rince show very soon. If you listen to Sound of Play but don't listen to that podcast, what have you been doing? That's the only place to go for a while to find us. Other than our Patreon, you might want to do that. Ryan, your last ever selection. 
for this sound of play type show is a piece that I know Jay, myself, and you all fell in love with. I haven't played the game uh, from which it's from. Actually, that's not true. I have played a little bit of it, but I haven't got to the part in, of uh, Steamworld Heist in which mm-hmm. it features. Now, this is uh, this is one of those pieces where it is. It was an existing song already, I think. But so it is a kind of licensed track, but we uh, we're okay with it because it's a song for most of us that's by far best known for its appearance in in this game. That's right. So uh, actually, and they re-recorded the existing tracks as well as um, performing a new, obviously the new tracks as well for the soundtrack. So if uh, I guess even fans of the band might want to pick up the soundtrack separately as it should be kind of entirely fresh. Um, recordings of the classic tracks but uh Mm. yeah this was requested back on sound of play 205 by richard from the forum and um i as well um kind of similar to you had played a bit of steam world heist in the past but um i had walked away from it which is i think it's it feels unusual because steam world heist is such a like it's so easy to take little bite-sized segments of it and just make it a kind of chip away over time type of game. It's a very comfortable play and it's a really, really fun game as well. And so I don't know why so many people have kind of their story revolves around stepping away from it. Um, But Mm. it's something that I do kind of encounter from time to time, just anecdotally, of course. But I think for me, and maybe this is similar to other people is like you I guess pretty early on in the game, you encounter a uh, a leveling system that after you take certain characters into different uh, missions, then they can level up and you could replay earlier missions to gain more treasure, to up-level your characters. And the there are certain level ratings on, some of, on uh, each of the missions that you can go into. And so I think to me, it kind of, uh, I never hit a wall, but I was always afraid that I was going to like a grinding wall of like, oh, I just need to be a certain level before I can uh, beat the next level. And like, right. even though experientially that was never the case, it's very, very well balanced all throughout the game. And it, I, I don't know if it scales to who you have in your party and their their levels, but I never felt like it was asking me to grind any more than I was comfortable with. But I think just the the fact that those kind of mechanics were in there, it brought forward this certain feeling that like oh i was gonna have to get to that point and uh i think that kind of uh, that kind of made me step away but i i did you know go back to it and very intentionally say like all right let's get this finished earlier this year and boy what a what a game it's so much fun like it's it's one of those games that like even after beating it i decided to go back and 100 percent it and uh, just had Mm. an absolute blast all throughout and so uh, it is underscored by um, by a few tracks with vocals by Steam uh, Steam Powered Giraffe, which is a an actual kind of existing band. Uh, they are they're not another band that kind of put on a Steam Powered uh, pseudonym for this game, which features Steam Powered robots. It was just a happy coincidence, I think, that they were both kind of doing steam-powered robot designs and kind of appealed to a similar target audience, but they they suit this type of game really well. You, you hear most of their tracks as you enter the various kind of saloons throughout uh, 
throughout this space that you travel and there you can uh, you can recruit different allies you can purchase new weapons and uh, they're usually there kind of performing on stage and playing their different songs there's also you encounter their music which i played a few weeks back i don't remember the number exactly when you defeat bosses they play an original track that is basically singing about the victory that you just won and it's super cool (laughs) Uh, it's it makes you feel like a like a real badass it's great uh, but this track in particular is a um, just such a beautiful song. It's it is different than the recording that they had done before this game came out. They added like an introductory section into this recording of it. Um, I don't know if it's one of those things that came about kind of spontaneously, not spontaneously, but kind of organically during live performances. I know that's how a lot Mm. of these types of songs tend to kind of grow and evolve over time. And then you'll hear slightly different iterations on reissues, but um, that would be my, my guess anyways, because I know that this band does quite a few kind of live engagements. I've read on when, when I started investigating Mm -hmm. them a bit on uh, after, after you first played the song, uh, I, yeah, a lot of the comments are, yeah, you got, you know, you got to see these, this this act live mm. because it's a real show like they 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 pretty much it's a whole performance art thing they become these sort of steam characters steampunkish robotic characters they even play their instruments in a way that makes them look kind of like they are mechanical which must be a, a kind of skill and unto itself yeah this particular song it feels like it's structured like a traditional ballad but it also feels very non-traditional in its delivery um, I think the the lead uh, the lead singer who is a I don't know how relevant this is to it but uh, is a uh, trans individual a trans woman who at this time was uh, performing as a um, as a male presenting singer okay. and so it yeah. might it might read a little bit differently or it might sound a little mm. bit different than more current recordings of Mm. this song or of this band they also have a very frequently rotating cast of characters as it were and so um, quite a storied kind of history of i think each snapshot in time is going to be a different lineup fundamentally yeah it makes sense yeah but the, the lead singer i believe has been fairly consistent throughout the entire um throughout the entire run yeah. of the band but just um presents differently due to her own kind of uh, evolution as a person. Uh, so this was uh, while she was kind of presenting male during her performances. And yeah. uh, she does a really interesting performance here. It reminds me so much of uh, Yako Warner from from the uh, Animaniacs. <laughs> it's a very kind of right. cartoonish type of voice, which feels at odds with the uh with the real kind of sentimentality and the it's mm. kind of a kind of a beautiful love song that is also written with some kind of robotic pun lyrics in there as well and so it's it's yeah. all very strange strangely delivered uh but then the latter half of the song goes into um just some really really nice and very densely layered say counter melody vocals and rounds that bring a lot of uh i just think interesting texture to it and obviously the the backup singers have uh extremely divergent voices as well and so mm-hmm. the the fact that it's kind of 
sung in a very kind of mechanical, very a way that kind of leans into the repetition of the music as well. It I don't know. It, it's very beautiful. It's quite um, quite haunting. It's just really lovely and wonderful recording. And I've sought out other recordings of it because obviously, you know, pre-existing track that I really liked, I was curious. And this is my favorite recording of it from the game. So um, I don't know if if any of you had anything else to add, but uh, Honey Bee by Steam Powered Giraffe. There was a time I was in love And all the angels and the doves Couldn't make her say I love What you did Yes, you did You didn't have To say my name Ignite my circuits And start a flame What you did Oh, turbines And erase me Without you, that 
From Image and Form's Steamworld Heist, that's available on most things, many things. Yeah, Honeybee. Yeah, Jay, I know. I remember you commented on that when we first played it as well. Oh, as yeah. Being something that you really liked. Yeah, I've never played the game, and I don't no. think I ever will, but it was. Um, no. It, it, I, one of the things that I've gotten out of um, editing, you know, Sound of Play over the years was tracks like this, where it's like for games and for music that I, I genuinely wouldn't have come across at all. Of course. Um, and it was just like, I love this track. Love it. I've got the, um, the album on my iTunes cause it's mm-hmm. just so good. Yeah. Um, although really this is only the, the only track I ever really listened to because I just, <laughs> have, I like to salute it cause it's kind of, um, it, it's one of those tracks that I like, you know, when you get up in the morning and the first thing or whatever, or, or perhaps late at night where it's like, I don't want to be listening to like driving metal or um, you know, right. hardcore like electronica and stuff because you find that you then can't sleep afterwards. And but this kind of music, this particular track is kind of awesome, and you, I can just listen to it for like an hour on end and wow. do other stuff. Well, you know, it's like if I'm putting some of the, like doing some artwork or whatever, I can just mm. this this is perfect music to kind of just you know chill to and stuff. Zone and out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, it always reminds me a bit of, uh, I don't know if either of you know it, Granddaddy's track, Jed the Humanoid. No, I don't know that one. Okay. It's uh, it's not musically that similar, and Jed the Humanoid is a bit of a sadder story, but uh, but it it's it's a song about a robot, basically. And uh, yeah, it's from their, their classic 2001 album, I think it's called The Software Slump. Uh, I think it was, yeah, 2001. Anyway, worth checking out. So before we hear our last ever track on Sound of Play, as it stands, I want to thank 
Jay and Ryan for, well, everything, making half the shows in Ryan's case, editing every show that I'm on in Jay's case, pretty much, and some that Ryan's done as well. Uh, a whole Kane and Rince team for making sporadic appearances and uh, just generally being there. Everyone who's ever requested a track on this show, we didn't quite get round to all of them, but as I said on the previous podcast, I'm keeping the spreadsheet. So if we do ever come back to the show and incorporate a format in which we play requests, well, we might pick up with where we left off with some of those. Thanks also to everyone from the community who actually put themselves forward to coming on. I know I didn't get around to everyone in the end. Sometimes people would give me a shout out and uh, and it would get kind of lost to the mists of time in the buried in the morass of Twitter and whatever else. But uh, for those of you who I did get to come on, thanks for putting yourselves up for it. And all of our other guests from other podcasts, friends, the community and all the composers we've had on. Uh, over the years, some of whom we've tapped up ourselves and just chanced our arm and said, do you fancy coming on this show? And uh, others of which we've had uh, seek us out or via their, normally via their uh, PR people and asked to come on the show, which has always been, you know, as far as we are concerned, sort of tacit approval of the whole process uh, of this being a video games music podcast. But mainly, of course... Uh, the listeners, everyone who's listened to the show. I know a few people uh, have been listening since the beginning and you'll probably feel the show's absence the most keenly on a Wednesday. Uh, but hopefully you can now go back to maybe go back to the early shows and uh, start listening all over again. You won't you won't remember everything that happened before, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I mean, I guess there's probably one or two people out there who's just who have just discovered this show and now it's going away but yeah there's uh, there's quite a large back catalogue for you to enjoy that hasn't really aged i wouldn't have said ryan you've been my alternate host since we made this a uh, weekly show mm. and that was goodness knows how long ago uh, anything you want any final words for all the folks just that i uh my only regret is that i only got to play the dancing han solo song once um i, I feel like that really should have been if not the capstone to every episode, then at every least show. kind of an annual tradition. Mm. But uh, here we are at the end, and we can only look back and regret. Yes, true. <laughs> we never got round to the Buck Bumble rap, which uh, which I still haven't <laughs> heard, but I, I know has been requested for the end of the N64 format special. So I'm looking forward to hearing that soon. You know, speaking of uh, reoccurring uh, traditions, I, mm. I I was trying to look back at the spreadsheet, and I didn't uh, I didn't see the pattern before, but I. I th think I have a memory of like every hundred shows or every like end of year show or something we would play one of the uh, Jonathan Colton portal end songs uh, to okay. cap off. I don't remember. There's only two of those. Oh, there's there's three because the, he did one for Lego Dimensions as well. <laughs> and so you're right, of course. And so yes. we just had another portal game come out this year uh, by kind of a fan effort but officially endorsed and released on the steam platform um portal reloaded oh. and i i have not beaten it it's very difficult i've not beaten it uh and i right. don't know whether jonathan colton did anything else at the end of uh <laughs> at the end of that mm. um fan-made game but uh if so it's kind of uh, kind of hurts to leave that uh that 
Friend incomplete, hanging. but uh, maybe mm. maybe in the future, if we ever circle back to Sound of Play again, and if Jonathan Colton had contributed something else, I don't think Glados yeah. is a character in this. This I was going to say that's probably a big deal. If if Glados isn't in it, then yeah, <laughs> should should there be a song? But well, it's good to know that Portal continues, even if we don't. Jay, I know you're not one for sentiment. No. <laughs> so we're closing this Sound of Play. <laughs> with my final pick essentially this is uh, the piece of music from games that have come out so far in 2021 that uh, has struck the chord accord with me the most in monster hunter rise the setting has changed again from what would you say monster hunter world the setting is a sort of i don't know pseudo early man kind of vibe going on i mean mm-hmm. it, i guess it's i don't know I'm not sure what it is really but I, I suppose it's sort of quasi, yeah, whatever. I, I know that my archaeologist friends and uh, dinosaurs. Nomads. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, whereas Monster Hunter Rise, they've very much embraced the Japanese history, Japanese Edo period in particular, and the music. Most of it, I would say, from what I've heard of the soundtrack, reflects that influence very strongly. And yeah, the title theme is just a, a real delight. It's not uh, it's not bombastic in the same way that you'd necessarily expect a Monster Hunter game to open. No massive brass, no huge percussion, no portentous strings, just this lilting pian to the world in which monster hunter rise is set and i think it's really beguiling uh, it's by satoshi hori and it's called brave hunters and with it we'll leave you for sound of play version 1.0 all 300 shows 300 podcasts and well as i say keep keep subscribed maybe i don't know is it worth we'll, we'll probably arrive back on the same feed if we do ever arrive again but we can understand if you don't but watch us on social media. Look out for us on the website and all that kind of stuff. Instagram, Twitter, Kane and Rince. You will find out what, if anything, is happening in the future. All right, everyone. It's been fun. 2014 to 2021. Sound of play. And here's Brave Hunters from Monster Hunter Rise. 